the Leveraging Life series. This is not just a series. It's not a, it's not a campaign. It's not just a push to kind of get you to live in some strange way for a little short season of life and then kind of go back to life as usual. That's the exact opposite of what we're, what we, what the intention of this series is. It's really, it's an, it's an attempt to call us back to just what normative Christianity should be. This is just normal stuff for us. It's a reminder of why we're here, um, how we're to live, what we're to do, really who we are. It's, it's our identity. It's just, it's calling us to that and reminding us of that. And we always need, this is nothing new. It's what we've been about all along, but we're, we need to constantly be circling back and, and, and reminding ourselves of, of, of those basic things of why we exist. So leveraging our lives, just a reminder, uh, the, 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 what we mean by that is it's using our lives to maximum advantage for the gospel. So remember it said it's not about doing a bunch of new stuff. It's about the ordinary stuff of everyday life, but doing it differently and thinking about it differently so that it has a greater impact for the sake of the gospel. Infusing our just everyday routines and rhythms of life with what we call, have called gospel intentionality or expectant gospel intentionality. And so, uh, so we need to continue on in this. We need to continue to be fueled by the magnitude of God. That's how we began to be so enamored with the glory of God and so full of the spirit of God that we were just compelled to leverage our lives for the mission of God, that God is, has always been on mission and he is on mission and he's, he's moving things to completion and we're just joining in with what God is already doing in this world. So we need to we need to get that. We need to be fueled by that. We need to be motivated by love to to fall in love with humanity again, to have this deep, deep compassion for sinners, for other people. Just like Jesus was so moved with compassion. We need to be gripped by the mandate, the one who has has been given all authority in heaven and on earth and who says he will never leave us or forsake us, that he will be with us to the end of the age. He says, go and make disciples. And what do we do? We, we, we we're gripped by that mandate. So we, we go, we throw ourselves into that. We are, our lives are defined by that mandate. We are the sent ones. We have this new missionary identity, every single one of us. Every single one of us is a missionary. Every single place we live is a mission field. We are the sent ones. And so then we need to, we said, maximize the mundane of life, using the very ordinary activities in life for the sake of the gospel, in our eating of meals, in our shopping, in our commute to work, in our home improvement projects, in our entertainment and leisure activities. All of that, none of that is outside the scope of what we're talking about. It's, it's not... It's not starting a bunch of new programs and events. It's about life being lived with this intentionality for the gospel's sake. And then Eric encourages and challenges to maintain margin in life, to live with margin in our lives, expecting God to use us, to break into our lives and and those, those routines and to bring people in our lives so that we have those opportunities for the gospel and I'm very grateful for Eric and for John, again, helping in this series. John, last week, these guys are just dear brothers, and they live this out in different places and in different ways, but they're modeling this. And I'm also grateful, I mean, just this is just an aside, I'm grateful for their love for this church. It's just great that we have missionaries like that, that we get to support, that when they come here, they're, 
they're part of us. And they love us. And they speak to us. They pray for us. And there's a, I, I just am thankful for that relationship that we have with both of these guys and their families. And, and they're very different. All three of us have preached differently through this series. And, but God has used both of these guys in wonderful ways. John's like a stealth little ninja. He just is quiet and he's, and then he just sneaks up behind you and just gets you. And again, I never see it coming. And then, and Eric's like a B-52. You just, he just, (laughs) just blitzes us. So no, with, with grace, but, um, so, but last week John came and, and he, encourage us to be marked by mercy, that those who've received such lavish mercy from God, how could we but show mercy to others? We need to be watching and listening for those bubbles. I've, that was just a great word picture, and I've thought about that and been looking for that all week. And then next week, Eric's going to come back, mutual engagement, talking about that we live leveraged life in community with one another. This is not Lone Ranger. We're out there doing it by ourselves. This is something we do together um, not as, as, a, as a group, as, as smaller groups, but clusters of people. So this morning, though, we're getting to maybe where you thought we would be all summer, and it's the need to share the message of the gospel. I said at the beginning of the series that, uh, that, that what we're talking about, leveraging life, it's, it's more than evangelism, but it's not, it's not at all less than evangelism. It's it's much of the focus has been on how we're to live our ordinary lives with gospel intentionality. But the burning center of this is of of the burning center of how we live is what we say. And so we don't need to miss that. We live a certain way so that we can speak a certain word. And it's that word that saves that God uses to save. So evangelism is. It's one of those words and sharing the gospel. We hear that and we immediately just start kind of slinking into our chairs. And there's kind of this sense of shame that comes over us because I think we probably all feel like this is an area we're deficient in. And we're all for it, but we all don't do it uh, as much as we feel we should. And one writer compared evangelism to motherhood and apple pie. No, nobody is against moms or apple pie. Uh, maybe some of you don't like apple pie. I don't know, but uh, surely moms. Um, but the, the problem is there's this gap between our rhetoric and what we say and what we trumpet and how we actually live. And, and we know we should share the gospel with others. We get fired up at times. We make commitments to do it more frequently. And yet... For many of us, that passion just kind of vanishes like steam coming out of a tea kettle. It's just here, it's gone. And so that's what we're kind of wanting to address this morning. Three questions that will guide our time, and that's it. Three questions. First is, what is the message we're to share? Very simply. Second, how does sharing this message connect with the leverage life that we've been talking about? And then third, how can we grow as sharers of this message? So first question, what is this message Very simply, first of all, the message that we're talking about is the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news of Christ that we're to share. And this is, and and I want you to look in Mark chapter 1 with me. Mark chapter 1, and we see it with Jesus. Remember, God has been on mission. He was on mission, and Christ came into this world, God in flesh, on mission, to continue the mission that that the triune God began and so as, as Jesus, God in flesh, is coming into this world, how does he begin engaging in 
in mission on earth. In Mark chapter 1, we, we see it. He, we, we have the beginning of Mark. is talking about John the Baptist preparing the way. You have the baptism of Jesus, temptation of Jesus, these preparatory things. But when Jesus begins his earthly ministry, down in verse 14, it says, After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of is at hand, is at hand. repent and believe in the gospel. And as you, if you could just read through these chapters of Mark and you could read through any gospel account in the New Testament, you find this is what Jesus is doing. He's talking, he goes and finds disciples and he calls them to follow him and he's going to make them fishers of men, proclaimers of this gospel. He, Verse 29, he left the synagogue, entered the house of Simon and Andrews. He's picking up people. In verse, down in verse 35, he's preaching throughout Galilee, preaching, uh, in town after town. And he, he says, I'm, uh, that, um, let us go to the next towns, verse 38, then I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, casting out demons, and on and on and on you go. You, Matthew 9, 35 talks about him going and preaching through all the cities and villages, proclaiming the gospel. He told his disciples that the gospel is to be preached throughout to the, to the whole world. And he calls us to that task. So this is this is it. And after Jesus died, rose, commissioned his disciples, ascended to the Father, this is what the apostles and those early disciples, this is what, exactly what they did. You look in the book of Acts, what are they doing there? Preaching this gospel. The message we share is the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're preaching in Jerusalem, they're preaching in Samaritan villages, chapter 8, 25, and towns throughout Caesarea, and just throughout that the known world. And and you get Paul in Acts 14 and following. Everywhere he goes, he's preaching this gospel very explicitly in Acts. So we don't, and this is my point though, just simply, we, we don't pick what message we share. It's not, we're not just sharing a message, we're sharing the message. The message is given to us by God and it's this gospel that's been entrusted to us. That's the message. And, 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 I mean, we know also that Jesus didn't just proclaim good news. He, he provided the good news of the gospel. And so we could certainly look at that too in scripture. And we read of that in Romans 5. So first thing, the message is the gospel. Second thing, sounds the same thing, but it's different. What I'm, my emphasis is that the gospel is a message. It's a message. St. Francis of Assisi in the 12th century, he was a, he was a, uh, Franciscan friar and and he was famous for saying this he said preach the gospel always if necessary use words I had that I had that on a t-shirt in high school one of my many uh, uh, cheesy Christian t-shirts um, I loved going to the Christian bookstore when I had a little extra spending cash since I was a new believer and, and I had you know the Lord's gym Jesus bench pressing the cross and and uh, you worked at a Christian bookstore. You know about all these. Um, and so I had, a, I had a shirt, a closet full of these things. But, but, but that quote from, from St. Francis, it makes for a nice medieval soundbite. But it falls short of what the Bible really teaches. The gospel we preach is a word. The gospel... The biblical gospel, it's a noun. I know we use it as an adjective, and we're using it even in this series. Gospel intentionality, talk about gospel music, gospel living, gospel preaching, gospel growth. And I'm not saying it's wrong. 
to, to use it that way. But the, the evangel, the gospel, is a noun. It is, it's a message that needs to be shared. It's a news, it's news that needs to be heralded. It's a truth that needs to be taught. It's, it's a word that needs to be spoken. It's a story that needs to be told. It's, it, it's, the gospel is a message. It is, it has content. It says something. It, it is something. And so it's not just kind of a, a modifier. It is, it is the message. Christian, Christianity is distinctly word focused. Our mission is dependent on speaking proclamation of the gospel or what Paul calls the word of the cross. So disciples are not made. Evangelism does not happen if there is no verbal speaking and sharing of this word. I know there's 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 a stripe in contemporary Christianity that that at least minimizes, if not just tries to eradicate this part of 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 evangelism, of disciple making, trying to promote evangelism without proclamation. You just you just don't have a biblical leg to stand on. There's, it's, you can't just live a certain way and expect people to get saved. But there's a word that has to be spoken. The church grows. Disciples are made. God's rule extends by people hearing and receiving and believing the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, you see... If you've studied Acts, you know the the book is kind of structured around these statements that these kind of summary statements that 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 describe the expansion of 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 the church and the spread of the gospel in that time. And often it's the word of God that's the agent in the sentence in describing that expansion. So you have things like in Acts chapter six, seven. So the word of God spread in 1224, 1349, 1920. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. God's word is, is this, it's this active agent in which it's, it's spread as it spreads. What we're saying then is, is the church is growing. People are being saved. Disciples are being made. But it's dependent on that word. The growth of the church, the making of disciples is synonymous with the spreading of the word. God works powerfully through His Word. Romans 1.16 I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it, the gospel, the noun, it is the power of God to salvation to all who believe. It's powerful. Jesus told His disciples, turn to John 14 with me. Jesus told His disciples very plainly about the power of His his words and and. And John 14, that great passage is Jesus is, uh, that's Luke 14, John 14, is, is comforting his disciples and he has these words. Their whole world has been up, t- turned upside down and Jesus has said these things are going to deny me and everything. The disciples are just in a tizzy. They just, it just seems like everything's caving on them. So he comforts his disciples. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I have a, I have, in my father's house are many mansions. I will come, I will go, and I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And so he comforts his disciples. But Philip says in verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, Lord, uh, show us the Father, that, and that will be enough for us. He's saying, prove, prove there's a God. That's all we ask. 
That's kind of what he's saying. We hear those kinds of expressions. Philip wants this vision from God. He wants this, he wants this spiritual experience, this dramatic display of glory, something big and showy. And what does he get instead? He gets a man talking. Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. God has revealed himself in, in the person of Jesus, his son, and, and the words I say to you, verses 9 and 10. I just say God is still known by the words that Jesus says today. He continues, verse 10, though the words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the father living in me who is doing his work. Now, we expect Jesus to say if, if he was writing this properly and saying this properly, the, the, though the through the words I say, the father is speaking his words. But that's not what he says. He goes further. He says through the. Through the words I speak to you, the Father is working. And God is still at work today, accomplishing His mission through the proclamation of the gospel, of words. And so verse 12, you go on, the works of Jesus we see can be done by every Christian. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Now, the greater works are not flashier miracles. I mean, you're not going to beat raising Lazarus from the dead. And I know there are some that, that think that's exactly what he's talking about. But John has already told us what the greater works are. Go back to John chapter 5. You can turn there or just listen. John, 20, John chapter 5 verse 20. This is greater works. I like to hear those pages turn. I say you don't have to turn there, but I really want you to turn there. So... Um, John 5, verse 20. Greater works than these will He show Him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. And it goes on. Truly, truly, I say to you. In other words, you listen to this. Whoever hears My word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life. The greater work is... To bring people to eternal life through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the work. That's the Father at work through the Word. So, don't walk away from this series thinking, okay, well, I need to adopt a new lifestyle. I mean, maybe, maybe you do. I mean, there may be some changes, but it's not just be more social, throw a block party every now and then, talk to the checker at the grocery store, Get to know my neighbors. I mean, those are all important, good things. But the ordinariness of life needs to be deliberately intersected with this gospel. Maybe we could call it gospel proclaiming intentionality. So so the gospel is, is a message. The message is the gospel. The gospel is a message. And third thing I'll say, just what is the message is the gospel is both big and small. It's deep and it's simple. It's a message that can be summarized easily in a few words. And it's a message that fills the entire Bible. It's, it's simple enough to be communicated and understood to and understood by small children. And it's profound enough that we could spend our whole lives studying it and meditating upon it. And we will never even begin to... Exhaust the riches of it. 
I was just thinking of how to illustrate this, and this is far from being a perfect illustration, but um, at least for this simple mind, it kind of works. It's, it's just think about the Internet. Now, my four-year-old has already figured out how to surf the web, and and she can get on there and find what she needs to, gets to her little ABC little game and and Disney website, I don't know, PBS kids and all that kind of stuff. She can get around and she kind of knows how to do it. She knows how to live it and use it. And, and, and our, I'll just say our lives can be radically, inter, radically changed and have been for most of us by the Internet, even though we really don't understand much about it. We just kind of know how to use it and get by. I mean, I don't understand how it works. Um, but Amazon.com. That's a that's a life changer. I mean, for a lot of people, and and any email. I mean, just these kinds of these kinds of things. How it's changed life, and yet it would take someone years to try and explain to me how this thing actually works. I mean, it's just I don't get it. It's just it's so it seems so complex to me that again that I can be communicating with Eric in Senegal. I can be driving down the road on my phone and calling him through the internet. And it's free, and it's real-time, and it's clear, just like I can call any one of you. I mean, I don't understand how that works. It's just crazy. But, but this is what we're saying. The gospel is big, and it's small. It's, it's, it's profound and yet simple, not simplistic. John 3.16, could we get any more simple than that, right? But, but, but have we really begun to grasp what it means that God... So loved the world that he gave his only eternally begotten son that whoever believes in him can have eternal life. Do you think you've exhausted that verse just because you can fit it on a poster board? No. We just think of what's there. The, the, the love of a holy God for sinners. The, the, the Trinity. Jesus' death, Him, Father giving Him eternal sonship, faith, eternal life. I mean, the profundity of that verse is just—it's just incredible. And yet, it's simple at the same time. And so, this gospel is big and small. Most basically, Paul makes it clear what the gospel is. First Corinthians fifteen. In verses 1 to 4, he reminds the Corinthians of the gospel that he, he proclaimed to them. He said, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, was buried, and was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Okay, that's the gospel, right? Two or three things. Now, yes, there's a lot there kind of behind those words. But but maybe maybe we, we need to say more. Maybe we should begin with God. I think that's, I, I, I encourage that. That's how I began. God is... Is the creator, he's king, he's holy, so we, we gotta say some things about God. And I guess we need to talk about sin, that we're all sinners, that the wages of sin is death, so now we have several things that kind of maybe need to be part of our, our gospel and presenting that to others, sharing that with others, and maybe there's others though. I mean, in Paul, in that passage in 1 Corinthians 15, he goes on and talking, talks about Jesus appearing to the witness, uh, appearing to witnesses after his resurrection, to Peter and, and the twelve and the five hundred and James and Paul. So do we need to include that every time we share the gospel with others? Or, oh, we forgot the virgin birth. And what about the sinless life of Christ? What about the deity of Jesus Christ? 
Maybe we need to back up further than that. How can we even begin to explain these things unless we talk about the authority of the Bible, that this is God's word and it's without error and it's authoritative in our lives? Do we need to talk about the Trinity and explain that? Do we need to talk about the fulfillment of prophecy? Do we need to talk about things to come? I mean, so the list grows and we had two or three things to start with and now we need like a 15-page paper. And, and, and this is my point. Because the gospel is both big and small, I don't know how much content you're going to need to bring into a conversation with people. And, and it, it's going to be different, and we'll deal with this in the next point. But I, just an example. I'll get on a plane tomorrow and fly to Dallas and get back together with my family, which I'm very excited about. I'm not excited about the fact that it's supposed to be 104 degrees in Dallas tomorrow. I'm going to stay there all week, but... Uh, but but it'll be good to be back. Well, if my plane takes off and 15 seconds after takeoff, it loses power and it is about to crash, what am I doing? I'm turning to the person next to me. I'm saying, if you believe in Jesus Christ, even though you're about to die, you can live. That may be all I have time to say. That's not everything. I mean, that 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 I left a lot of stuff out there. I, I, I went right to the invitation and to the promise of the gospel. I'm assuming other things and maybe some other person has shared those things before. But, but if my flight doesn't end in a ball of flames, and I hope it doesn't, on the College Park golf course, the number eight fairway or something like that. Um, if you've played there, you understand what I'm saying. But my, my conversation will be very different with the person sitting here. It better be or I'm going to freak them out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was just getting a picture of what that would be like. Uh, and, but but it, it's going to be different. I'll, I'll, there will be more time and I'll, I'll cover more. And, and yet even that conversation with a stranger that I'll probably never see again is going to be very different than the conversations that I have with the neighbor across the street that I've known now for a couple of years. Um, and so the, the focus of this series is not so much on the airplanes about to crash and burn kind of evangelism. Uh, and it's really not on the strangers, though. I hope that when God brings people in your life that you're, and he does all the time, that we're quick and we're ready to share. It may not be everything, but we're going to say something and speak of Christ. And I, I want you to make a habit of that in life. But we're emphasizing ordinary life, everyday relationships, focusing on that more relational type of evangelism and and where ongoing relationships where the gospel is shared over time with 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 intentionality that's what our emphasis is on and that's what i want to move to the next question so we've covered what the message is now what how do how does this message and the sharing of it fit into the leverage life that we've been talking about and so the gospel is a message it's a word and that word needs to be spoken but how does that fit in the context of of ordinary lives intersected with gospel intentionality. That's the first thing I would say along those lines is that evangelism is not an activity to be squeezed into our schedules. Sharing the gospel, it's not, it's not that. It's, it's not about getting the courage up to go out and on an, out on an evangelistic expedition to the grocery store and just looking for someone and pouncing and then going back, retreating back to the house for a week so you can recover. From that traumatic event. That's not what we're talking. I'm, I'm intentionally being sarcastic. But, uh, but, but we're talking everyday, ordinary rhythms of life infused with gospel proclaiming intentionality. 
That's what we're after. And in our Western culture, we tend to compartmentalize things in our lives. And so we have work time, we have family time, we have leisure time, we have church time, we have outreach time. And Eric kind of helped us kind of dismantle those um, a few weeks ago. And I'm thankful for that because the, to, to, to think of a leveraged life, it, our whole lives lived with this sense of missionary identity. It just shatters those, those divisions in our life. And so uh, we, we can have work time, leisure time, family time. All of that is, is to be viewed as gospel activity. It's not some special little story we go on and, and then come back. And Paul reminded the Thessalonians that when he was there, he and others came and they, they shared the gospel of God with them, but they also, he says, shared their very lives with them. It's in that context of everyday life, 1 Thessalonians 2.8. So the, it's not an activity to be squeezed in our schedule. Second, the, 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 the message of the gospel and sharing the gospel, it's not a spiel to be forced into our conversations. I want to be careful because it is it is intentionality, it is deliberateness. It's, so it's not always just going to happen. But and I hope you'll understand what I mean as we work our way through. But have you have you had the experience, the wonderful experience of being approached by somebody who wants to get you involved in one of these multi-level marketing schemes? Yeah, I hear the groans and I feel your pain. Uh, I have had those opportunities. I think they feel like if they can get a pastor, they've got all of you. But I'm standing strong, people, so I'm going to I'm help. I got your back. Um, my, I have had a few neighbors and, you know, we've been working hard to know neighbors and to minister in our neighborhood and have been involved there. And, and then there's been a couple of times when people we've kind of tried to get to know, well, they've, they've just shown up at my house. And not at the same time, but in, in different uh, different times, and I get all excited. They're here. They're, they're they seem to be friendly. They're asking about kids, church, life, how things are going. And then all of a sudden, boom, they get there. And this is why they're really there. They got some way that I can make millions of dollars and not have to work another day in my life. And and it's the greatest thing in the world. And I, I confess, I just it, I struggle with that one. Um, I don't like how that happens. But some of us may act like that in sharing the gospel. Not with that same motivation. I may not be. But we're talking with somebody and we're not really listening to them. We're, we're really just kind of waiting for a break in the conversation. When we can just launch into our kind of scripted spiel and and there's got to be a better way than that there is as much as we kind of bristle at that that's that's the offense is not in the gospel always in those cases it's often in and just our lack of love and care for that person so i just some kind of tensions that we need to work with here and so i would just say it like this it's it's natural Natural is greater than can presentations of the gospel. Outlines are good. Tracks are very helpful. Can be memorized presentations. They have their place. But it's better to talk freely with people about Jesus. I realize that's not easy for us. And I mean, this is, this is, I realize the struggle there. And I feel it. And, but rely on God's spirit to help you. Really, when you're talking with somebody, really listen to them. Listen to them. Listen to Christ. 
the cry of the hearts. Listen for those bubbles as John was talking about. Aim, aim for clarity. That's what you're really wanting. So focus on really trying to communicate, not just regurgitate something that you walked in wanting to get off your chest and, and get through. You're, you're communicating. It's two-way, and so you're listening. And you, you may have hoped to get this far with this person, but you just barely get started because there's give and take, and that's okay because the purpose is, is communication, clarification. The second kind of tension is to be patient is better than forcing it. In most relationships, the gospel will be shared over time. Again, I'm not talking about the airplane evangelism, which is great, but it's not going to generally be in one conversation. It may be five, it may be ten, it may be a hundred. Over weeks, months, years. And you'll, you'll continue going back and, and making a few steps and going a little further and then circling back. And it's, that's how it is. You, you don't need to explain the whole gospel every time you talk with people about Christ. That's my point. God may, and, and you've seen this in life, haven't you? Where God, God, in, it seems like he intends for you to be the person who brings a person so far. And you have conversations, but you don't get all the way through. And then God brings somebody else in their life. And God uses them to kind of bring them to Himself, and and they ended up in tr- trusting in Christ. So, so don't don't have this kind of gospel checklist. I got to get through this, 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 and and complete that in every single conversation. It's it's time. We our theology should help us here. We trust God in His sovereignty. That doesn't make us lazy or apathetic, or cowards or 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 um, passive. No, but it but we trust Him. We trust God's timing and His, His, His ways and the power of His Word. Um, I would say next, people more than projects. Don't view other people, and I don't think this is the case with most people here. And they're not notches on your belt. They're, they're, you're, you're, they're people to be loved. You're not trying to close the deal. You're, you're, you're trying to help them understand the gospel in hopes that they'll believe it, be changed by it. Next tension is, is to be spirit dependent more than being method dependent. I mean, we use methods, we use tools, but that's not where hope is. It's not in this, oh, you've got to learn this program. And I know there's some people that are passionate about certain kind of evangelism tools and programs. And I'm glad that and God uses those things. But, but that's not my hope. That's not it. It's in God. It's in the power of His Spirit working through the power of His Word. That's where our hope is. And, so, and, and those are not in opposition. And, and I'll make that clear. Spirit and the Word are in perfect harmony. They're always together in Scripture. From creation all the way to salvation and 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 on, God's word is the sword of the spirit, and 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 it's the spirit that makes the words of that Christ's words and the gospel known to us, making them live in us in a sense that they're not dead words, they're not static instructions, they're living, life-giving words of God. So the spirit helps us; he's our greatest advocate, and we we and, and our greatest help. So we depend upon him and. And, and as I said, it's, it's the word that God works through, but it's the spirit of God that brings that word home in lives. He opens blind eyes to see the truth. He, he melts cold hearts that are resistant and hardened to the gospel. 
word of God is to be proclaimed, not just by preachers behind a pulpit, but even in, in, in all of our conversations and situations, we proclaim it not, not uh, with wise words and persuasion of men, it's, but it's in, in a demonstration of the power, spirit, with reliance upon the power of God's spirit. So don't rely on the method. Rely on the spirit of God to use the power of the word of God, the gospel of God. Um, and then final kind of tension, and Eric's going to deal with this next week, is that it's community more than, more than Lone Ranger evangelism, disciple-making. It's a community project, not something we just do in isolation. Um, we have those opportunities to share one-on-one, but most often it's helpful to, to, have, to have that done in community. That's God's design is for the gospel to be shared in that context of relationships with, with other believers even. So don't try to segregate believers and unbelievers in your life. They ought to both be at the table together. They ought to both be in your home together. They ought to both be in your small groups. And that's great. One of our greatest apologetics is our love for one another, Jesus says. And so, so do that. There's other reasons that it's helpful. I mean, not, not all of us think well on our feet. This person does not. So I have all these notes and... Others, some, Eric can get up here and I'll have like a postcard and he'll just go from that. I mean, I just, I don't think like that. I, I, I have to prepare and not all of us are eloquent and engaging. Some of you are good at speaking to strangers and, in, and, in, and inviting and forming new friendships. Others of you are not. It's hard. More introverted. Um, but we all have a role to play. The introvert, the extrovert, the awkward, the eloquent. The, and we all have a place and, and, and so I may be the one that builds a new relationship with my neighbor and I introduce him to you through our small group or through a meal at our house and, and you end up forming a friendship and you're the one that gets to really walk through the gospel with them and, and lead them to Christ. And so that's, that's, just how, that's just how it can happen. And so I'll be quiet. Eric's going to deal with this next week. Uh, I, I won't, I'm not going to dwell on this, but I, I put the next slide. It's just kind of three strands of, of disciple making. I... I found this in a book. I thought it was helpful, and particularly his explanation, which we won't work through. But just building relationships, sharing the gospel, and introducing people to community. That's not three steps in a process. That's three strands. They work together. You can start with either any of those. But, um, but I think it's, it's, a good, it's a good picture for us. All right, so the last thing I'll say. Last question, how do we grow as sharers of this message? How do we grow as sharers of this message? And this is just a few things here. And I'm going to, may back up. I've got one word for some of us that I may have time to, to hit on. But let me get to this first. The first thing I'd say is plan to stop not sharing the gospel. I know that sounds, some of you grammarians are bristling right now. But, but I, I don't care. So, uh <laughs> No, I'll care when I get the emails tomorrow. But uh, no, adjust the thermostat of intentionality in your life. I mean, this is this is what we're saying. Do don't be content with the things that God is doing around you, and you're all excited about what God is doing around here. No, you need to be involved in in what God is doing, and this is what God is doing. He's got a mission. The mission is moving forward to the proclamation of the word in the context of relationships and everyday life. And, and so plan to stop not sharing the gospel. Second, pray incessantly for unbelievers in your life. I mean, get after praying with eyes wide open, expecting God to work and to use you and others to, to bring the gospel to them. 
It's an expression of our dependence and neediness for God. It's, it's used by God to draw people to Christ. God works. We pray. It's not futile. It's not just a kind of like meditation. We're just something to kind of clear our soul. No, God, God in his sovereignty works as we pray. He accomplishes much uh, through the praying. So pray like that. Third, plant gospel seeds early in the relationship. Don't, don't wait till the relationship matures and then you can kind of bring Christ in and force him in at that point. No, it, talk about Christ early and often with people. Again, you don't have to go from A to Z in the first conversation, but, but, but talk of Christ freely. Let it become more normal. We should be, we should talk, we talk about what we're passionate about. And we, there's no, nothing and no one we should be more passionate about than Jesus Christ. And we, if we're passionate and we sing here, then we ought to, we ought to carry that out. It ought to show up in how we speak with people. Uh, next, learn and use some tools. I mean, instruction, training, outlines, illustrations, tracks, books, written testimonies, online tools. There's all kinds of, of helps and, and you can, can grow and just those practical communication of the gospel. And we're, we hope to do a better job at training and offering these kinds of tools. And but we're working on that. Uh, next, shadow those who do it well. I mean, you know people that this is, this is, this is their thing. I mean, God has gifted them and, and using them greatly. And they're, they're trusting God for this in their life. And, and watch them. Spend time with them. Ask questions of them. Just be with them. Rub, rub shoulders with them. Finally, share the gospel with yourself every day. Now we say preaching the gospel to yourself. I'm just trying to say it in a way just to remind us that nothing will keep the fires of your heart burning for evangelism like this continuous delight in and meditation upon what God has done for you in Christ. And, 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 and seeing the, the power of the gospel transform your life, applying it to every area of life. I was thinking of coming back to where we began, that how how word-centered uh, this is and how necessary proclamation, sharing of this message is in a leveraged life. Uh, we, we teach games to our kids. We play board games with our kids. And there's some kind of games I like better than others. Um, but the most important thing in learning a game and if I'm having to learn a new game, and it's and it's often missed by um, our kids, some of our younger kids, when we learn a new game, is the object of the game. Why are we doing this? What are we trying to? What's what are we trying to get to? And how do we get there? That's that's what we need. That's what I really need to know. And then we can figure out what this piece is for, what these cards are for, and when they come into play. There's a an old game that I grew up playing, Life. It's not terribly uh, challenging or strategic, but it's one that we play. Sometimes with kids, and well, it's a great moral lesson. The, basically, the object of the game is to make as much money before you retire. So, no, it's not a good biblical uh, virtuous game, but but it, that's the that's the object of the game of life. Um, well, the new version of life has all these neat, eye-catching, interesting features. The version that we have now, it didn't have this when I was a kid, and so there's different professions. That you—that's the very first thing—is you gotta you either gotta go to you either gotta go to college or you gotta go straight to work. If you go straight to work, you're probably gonna be like a circus performer or a movie star or a athlete or something like professional athlete. If you go to college, you might be a doctor or a lawyer. So 
it's this kind of trade-off. Well, every time my kid's like, man, I, I want to be, I mean, I want to be a circus performer. That's way cooler than being a doctor. Um, and even though you don't make anything, it's, and again, because they're not thinking what's the object of the game. Um, or there's different locations on the boards, beach and mountains and city and all these kinds of things. And our youngest kid, their, their whole goal is just to get to the beach. And they just go round and round and round the beach because in their minds, like, that's the cool place to be. And even though it's not really advantageous in terms of the game and it's really not helping you, they want, they care about the color of the car. They care about how many pets they have in their car. They, 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 they want, an, they want the blue colored bills because that color looks better than the other colored bills, even though they may not be worth as much. So they'll trade with the bank, you know, just trading in to get more blue bills. Um, and I say, wait, you, 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 you're missing the whole point of this game. You're, you're missing, you're missing it and, and how you get there. You're basically doing all this stuff on the board and yet you're not getting what this is all. No, I don't get, I don't scold my kids for a game of life, but, but I do whoop them. Because uh, uh, I get it. Um, but this is what, the leveraged life, it's not a game, first of all. But we may be treated to treat it, tempted to treat it like like a game of life. We're busy with the lifestyle. We're doing things. We're good things, maybe having coffee, meeting neighbors, living with margin. We're we're doing stuff, and when we got the lifestyle going, but we forget the whole goal. We forget what it, what's all about. What? How do we get to that goal? The goal is the glory of God through the making of disciples. And how do we get there? It's by, it's by speaking a word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, bringing this life-changing message and the power of the Spirit into the context of that everyday relationship and all of those normal routines of life. That's, we can't separate those two. I just end with kind of where we began, 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you. So this is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the message I preach. You received it. You stand in it. You're being saved by it. This is, this is what does everything, church. This is what changed everything for the Corinthians. It's what's changed everything for many of us here. And if you're not in Christ, it can change everything in your life. It's this message. He says, I delivered to you as of first importance. This is... Top billing. It changes everything. There's, no, there's, there's not another message. There's not a self-help. There's not self-improvement. Nothing else is going to be it's as important as this. This is of first importance. That Christ died. And then he rose again. In accordance with the scriptures. He, he died in your place for your sins. Taking God's wrath upon himself. Being punished in our place. Shedding his blood. For our sins. And he rose again. Conquering death. Defeating sin. Guaranteeing in life to all who trust in him. And he's promised. That this, this gospel. This gospel is the power of God. To salvation to everyone who believes. Why would we not, why would we be content to walk around the beach with our pets and, and do the stuff and not just be on 
our toes all the time, leaning forward, looking to who we can share that message with. Let's pray. Father, do help us. We, we know how slow we are to, to speak of Christ. And it's not out of a, it's not out of a lack of desire. And we, we want this in our lives. And I, I pray, I, I think even, I pray, I know there's some people that are just shy. And introverted, and, and it may sound like you got to be kind of semi-crazy, and just this—you got to be so comfortable with strangers, and always, you know, just moving around the crowd, and bold in the elevator, and just—that's just not it. We all have a part to play, even the more quiet ones. God, you—you've brought people into our lives in the normal stuff of life, and God. In those relationships, Lord, may may we speak more of Jesus Christ. May that be just a resolve of our heart this week, to talk more. Maybe there's a relationship that we've had going for some time. We've been silent. God, help us to, to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That gospel, it's the power of God to salvation to all who believe. Help us to really believe that and, and to live like it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.